Tet Zion Tevet Tafshin Ayin Vav coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Hanan Ben-Ari, takes getting used to that, that song ends so abruptly. Hanan Ben-Ari, Mimcha Adelai, opens up this edition, this live edition of the Israel Show. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day and your week. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following J.M. in the A.M., 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and whenever you'd like to listen to us, audio on demand via the Nachum Siegel Network app where you can listen to the show in streaming form, or you can download the show onto your phone and listen to it when you're in the Wi-Fi and listen to it whenever you want, like when you're driving. Or you can podcast the show as well. You can set it up in your iTunes and have the show automatically download with your podcasts into your phone or other device. So many ways to listen, and we thank all of you who do, and the numbers are in, and there are more and more of you that are doing so, and we appreciate it. Very, very much. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, is a great forum, an important forum. We post not only the links of the songs that we play during the show, we post those after the show, but we play the songs during the show, um, but we also post links to important news items that we discuss, and if there's something during the week that we see that we think you wouldn't get to see elsewhere, or that we would be the first to show it to you. We'll post it there as well. So please do give a look, give us a listen, and then give us a like 
on the Facebook.com slash The Israel Show site. Today we are going to discuss an extremely serious subject, difficult, sensitive, nuanced, and uh, I pledge to you that I will do my best to bring you a balanced viewpoint, but I will bring you my viewpoint <laughs> very clearly and openly. I've done so before on this very same subject, and I will do so again today. Of course, I am talking about the huge controversy taking place in Israel about the detention by the Shin Bet Israel Security Services of a group of um, teenage boys, well, teenage and early 20s, who they suspect are involved in terrorist activities. They also suspect that some of them are involved in murder of innocent Arabs and that they are part of basically a terrorist organization. We're going to analyze. We're going to analyze the history. We're going to try and define who these kids are. What the Shin Bet is doing that is different than what they've done before. Why there are so many protesting both against and for the Shin Bet and where it stands now. There is, oh, and this news literally just came in as I'm keeping my eye on the uh, network sites. It seems that the um, the prosecutor has submitted the first intent to prosecute statements just now and it is so fresh of a story that it, it doesn't have details that's the only thing that it just came over the wires at seven minutes after uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well so we'll get to all of that and that'll probably take up all of the show if not most of the show and I have a feeling we're not going to finish and we'll continue next week and I hope that if I hope that you stay with us that you listen with an open mind to the entirety of what we're saying and that you continue with us next week and listen to that part as well and then make your own decision but be open-minded about it as I think we are we will first go to a debut of Yishai Rebo. We love Yishai Rebo. We told you, we were the first, I believe, that told you here in the United States that that's the name to look out for. And of course, he's, he, he is big now in Israel and getting bigger, thank God. Composer, singer, artist. This is brand new, released yesterday. It's called Matzil Oti Kol Ayom. I'm sorry, Matzil Oti Kol Yom. He saves me every day. This is brand new Yishai Rebo music. We're happy to bring it to you here. My name is Mayor Wang, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. הציפייה היא גדולה הניצנים כבר נראו וככה זה היום הזה להניח לעצמו עד שיבוא אליהו זכור I'm 
Yishai Rebo, brand new, Matziloti Kol Yom. Oh, I printed out some of the words. I have so much stuff printed out here that I have a feeling I'm not going to find it. Oh, there it is. Let's let's see if we can see a few of them. Um, Zekarov Levadai, it's almost definite. Rechok Miliot Zafek, it's far from any question. V'kachaze, hazman hazeh, asamizeh inyan, avazerak inyan shel zman, achi yistader, the time is here. It's just a question of when exactly it's going to all work out. We, we look with great expectation. Assuming that he's talking about from Mashiach. That's from Shira Shirim. At the end of the day, things will be only good. And all this brush, I have seen a road that is created from the light rays. And he is pulling me, this, this light is pulling me half unwillingly. It saves me each and every day. Yishai Rebo, brand new something that he will be putting on his next album. Okay, as I promised you, we're going to begin the discussion about the situation in Israel regarding the um, Jewish, let's call it the Jewish terror organization, the work of the Shin Bet, who are being accused of torturing them, the actions of this group, the background, and so forth. So, let's start with the background. Who are they? Who are these kids? During the past 10 to 15 years, there's been a small rebellion within the religious Zionist camp in Israel. And this takes place mainly in the Jewish cities and towns of Yehuda and Shomron, what we call the Hit Yashvut, the Nachluyot. Involved a small group of kids, roughly ages 17, I, I think the upper end would be 25, who are disillusioned with what they call the secular state of Israel. What is the background? What's the history of this rebellion? How did it start? Well, they grew up in the post-Oslo period. They saw the state of Israel during Oslo withdraw from parts of Yehuda and Shamron. Then they saw the state of Israel withdraw, rather embarrassingly, from South Lebanon and the Hezbollah, take over that area and turn it into a threat, a real threat against the state of Israel. And most powerfully, these kids experienced 
or if they didn't personally experience it, they live in the shadow of the traumatic expulsion of 8,000 mostly religious Israelis from Gush Katif 10 years ago, 2005. To them, the result of all these retreats, of what they perceive as the weakness of the state of Israel, has only done harm to Israel. Costing lots of Jewish lives. They saw the buses, the pizza stores, the ice cream parlors, blown up by Arab terror in late 2000 and 2001. They saw months, or they heard about months of terrorists seemingly unabated, killing over a thousand before Israel acted militarily and successfully put an end to it. What we, I don't like that we call it that, but people know it as the second intifada. So this small group of idealistically driven kids began rebelling. They developed this worldview, a corrupted worldview, in which they see the secular state retreating from the Zionist dream. And more importantly, in their minds, the state of Israel is retreating from God's will. God wants the the redemption to go forward, and, and this state of Israel, whether led by the labor or led by Likud, it doesn't matter, is retreating from this Zionist dream and from God's will, and therefore, things are going awry. They feel... Ultimately, they feel betrayed by the state, betrayed by the state of Israel. They also feel betrayed by their parents. And and I reveal to you today, and, and this will all come out very soon, that almost all of these kids come from solid religious Zionist homes whose parents are key figures spiritual leaders, teachers in the religious Zionist camp. These aren't sort of homes of crazies. And so these kids are rebelling against their parents because the parents believe that this, and, and they believe this deeply, this is part of, literally of their fiber, that the state of Israel is God's gift to us and that we are obligated by our religious beliefs to be good citizens of the state and more so to contribute to it whether it's in the army or in any other form these kids they call themselves Chavurat Hamered the group of revolutionaries or of the revolution They see their parents as naive. Oh, you're so stupid. You're so weak. You don't understand what's going on. You believe in the state of Israel. How could you believe in that? Look how terrible it is. Look what they're doing. They literally mocked their parents' view of the state. And they're at that rebellious age, 16, 17, 18. So they leave their parents' home, pick themselves up, and move to open, unsettled areas in Yehuda and Shamron. And they set up self-constructed shanty towns from the remains of caravans, whatever, and they work as farmers and shepherds, literally, coalescing around a few very charismatic leaders. These shanty towns, some of them are bigger, some are smaller, some look more established, some less, but ultimately are considered by the government to be illegal. It's funny that I've just... <laughs> all the Hityashvot in Yehudan Shemron is considered by the world at large to be illegal. These kids and their little ma'achazim, they're called, are considered illegal by the state of Israel. So they're doubly, you know, they're in double trouble. And the government does, uh, from time to time, send in bulldozers, and there's there are clashes between 
these kids and the army. And the army will tear down the caravans and the little, you know, uh, houses that they've cobbled together. And, you know, a couple hours later, they, they just put them back up. They don't need much. They, they, their, their standard of living is not very high. And so they continue to live mainly on these hilltops, and that's why they've gotten the name of the Hilltop Youth, Na'areag Va'ot. But we have to understand, let's, let's try and clarify. Na'areag Va'ot is not a homogeneous group. They're totally an undefined group. To have certain things that make them look similar, whether outwardly or otherwise, but on the whole, there's not one sort of umbrella called Na'areag Va'ot. There are a lot of different groups. And today we're going to talk about one specific one, which is about, they believe, about 180 to 100 kids. And so you have them, if they, they see themselves as going back to the sources. Our forefathers were farmers and shepherds. And that's what they're doing. They're connecting to the land and coalescing around a few charismatic leaders who are also in their low to mid-twenties. We'll go to music, we'll come back, and we'll continue to tell you about part one, which is who these kids are. These kids that are being now detained by the Shin Bet, and who presumably will be indicted this week for murder and terrorist activity. Yossi Cardinal brings us Va'afilu Bahastara. God is always with us, no matter what, even if we don't see him and he seems to be hiding from us, he is there and we know he is. My name is Mayor Weingart and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> בוודאי גם שם נמצא השם יתברך ואפילו בהסתרה שבתוך ההסתרה בוודאי גם שם נמצא השם יתברך ואפילו בהסתרה
My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, the organization that devotes itself entirely to bringing new immigrants, Olim Chadashim, from the United States, from North America, to Israel. And what a great and important goal that is. And they've taken something which has been done in the past by a semi-governmental bureaucracy and have turned it into an an amazing show of how sometimes, or I should say almost always, individuals who are motivated will do a much better job as any government could possibly do. They help you with employment resources, with governmental absorption, with community-based guidance, and with need-based financial aid, and they work to make each and every individual's aliyah successful as possible. Their charter flights are legendary. They have probably done more for aliyah than almost anyone else in the last, let's say, 40 years. And so we are very proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Visit their website, Nefesh Benefesh is www.nbn.org.il www.nbn.org.il Nefesh Benefesh revolutionizing Aliyah we are analyzing the situation in Israel we describe to you the um, the this group of kids that have rebelled from their homes their religious Zionist homes and made their their home on the hilltops and the open areas of Yehudan Shamron. And they are in some form, I, I, not in some form, and basically they, they've become anarchists. They call themselves Chavurat HaMered, <clears throat> the group of, of the revolution. And they see the state of Israel as being disappointing, as going down the wrong path. They see their parents as being weak and naive. And so mostly all of this, the, the whole description that we gave you before, it all sounds rather mild, okay, you know, teenagers rebelling, it's uh, okay, some do it this way, some do it that way. Who are they harming? But, but, they've developed a frightful ideology which believes that the state of Israel, the current state of Israel, must be overthrown brought down by any means and replaced, get this, by a monarchy led by Mashiach, which they seemingly believe someone will appoint. Maybe they will appoint him. 
okay, this is where the crazies start. Now, in their mind, in their plan, how do a small group of about a hundred teenagers or kids in their, in their early twenties, how do they think that they can bring down the state, the government, the army, the security services? Well, they have a plan. In their warped minds, they believe that by violently attacking minorities, mainly Arabs and Christians, they'll undermine the democratic society of Israel, and they put democratic in quotes, meaning they they deride democracy, and being that democracy believes in the rights of the minority, if they will attack the minorities, they will create, they will undermine Israel from within. Right? If you do it enough, you create a tremendous internal fracture, and eventually, the social construct will collapse, and with it, the state of Israel to be replaced by the state they decided that God approves of. Now, that's all also, you know, if you think about it, it's such a pie-in-the-sky, crazy ideology and plan one would assume that, you know, they would sit around the campfire at night outside in their little shanty towns on the hilltops of the Shomron and talk about it and, you know, plan and everything. But what might sound to us as a wild ideology, they put it into action. And over the past year or so, this dangerous group of anarchists, anarchists, began perpetrating public terrorist attacks let's get let, let let's start let's pick it up around june of this summer plan 1 they're going to burn mosques and churches in israel on june 17th a catholic church on the shores of the sea of galilee is set on fire there's graffiti spray painted. We were used to graffiti spray painting from a group called Tag Mechir. This doesn't seem to be the same group. Tag Mechir, there was a group that would spray paint, uh, um, it was called the price tag, meaning if the Arabs do violent things against us, we're going to take the law in our own hands and we'll show you that there's a price to pay for it. But they would scroll graffiti, okay. It's not good. But if it's, if it ends with graffiti, okay. I'm not condoning it, don't get me wrong. But the graffiti that was scrawled on the walls of the church was not Tag Mechir. It was Elilim Karoti Karetun, which we know from the Aleinu that we say at the end of each tefillah. This is a prayer that we have for the ultimate redemption, the final geula, that all the idols will be cut down. And they consider the church Avodazara, which I, I believe halachically we all consider it Avodazara. And so they took the law into their own hands. They've decided that they're now, they have God's given permission to uh, do whatever they feel like and burn down the church. That was in June. In July, on the night of July 31st, 2015, at around 1 a.m. or so, two homes seemingly picked at random in the Palestinian Arab town of Duma were firebombed. The Darabsha family is asleep inside one of the homes. Mother, father, teenage son, and Ali, an 18-year-old... year-old, 18-month-old baby, an 18-month-old infant. Well, the firebomb, the, the, the bomb is, the firebomb is thrown into the house. The house catches fire. Ali, the 18-month-old baby, dies on the spot, literally burnt to death. 
The parents are badly burned, and over the next few weeks, both of them die from the burn wounds. The older brother is still alive, but badly burned and still in the hospital. Here on the Israel show, we spoke about that. The first show after that event, we spoke about it at length and forcefully. And we warned. I went back to listen to it yesterday. Maybe I'll play it next week. That this has to be stopped, that we cannot condone it. We can't think that it's okay. Because anarchy does not work when you have a state. And God, in His graciousness, has given us, for the first time in over 2,000 years, sovereignty over the land of Israel. And these kids, these wild kids, these crazy kids, potentially can bring down the whole house. This is not unheard of in Jewish history. The second Beit HaMikdash and the Jewish presence in the land of Israel ended more because of the internal strife, because of the anarchists, than because of the enemy. Yes, the enemy was great, but we could have survived if not for the internal fractions and the anarchists, which the Gemara calls the Biryonim, there's a Gemara, famous Gemara in Gitin, Daf Nun Vav Amad Aleph. It says that during the Roman siege of Jerusalem, there were in Jerusalem three men of great wealth. Each one of them said that they will provide the needs of the people in the city. The city was under siege. There was no food coming in, no supplies coming in. But they had storehouses in the city, and they said, we'll, we'll share it with everybody. One of them had wheat and barley, one had wine, oil, and salt, one had wood, whatever people needed. And the Gemara says that there was a group called the Bilyonim, anarchists. The rabbis said to these Bilyonim, Chazal said, let us go out and make peace with the Romans. We're not going to be able to win. So let's go and make peace with them so that we're not all killed and thrown out of the land of Israel. No, but the the anarchists didn't let them. No, no, they said, let us go out and fight them. Well, this, this, this insane group of people thought that they could beat the entire Roman Empire's army. The rabbi said, you will not succeed. Well, they didn't like that answer. So they figured, hey, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to force a war will burn down the storehouses with the supplies that could keep us going for years and will force a fight with the Romans because we think that we know better than the people who are in charge. And they did that. They rose up and burnt the storehouses of wheat and barley and the famine ensued. And that's one of the ways that the Gemara tells us one of the things that led to the collapse of the entire Jewish sovereign existence in the state of Israel from that time and until we returned with the Zionist movement in the 1800s. That's what these kids want to do, these anarchists. Well, as we said back in in um, early August, nobody has a doubt that that firebombing was done by Jews. Sadly, there's a lot of misinformation going around. There are people who can't accept, and I get why we can't accept it, that Jewish kids, observant kids, these are observant kids. They observe the mitzvot, at least some of them. Could literally 
murder a family, burn them alive. But anyone and everyone in the security know agreed that this is the act of the Chavurat Hamera, this Jewish rebellion group. And the question is, how did they know that? And people asked me that. And at the time, I didn't know, but I have a theory now. It's not something that was published, just a theory. I could be wrong. And the second part of that question, by the way, how did they know that it was the Jewish kids? And the second part of the question is, if they knew, why didn't they arrest them? And I presume that the answer is that the Israeli security forces have infiltrated this group. They have an informant. But they don't want to give up their informant. And, and, and that's the bind. It's not an easy task to get an informant into an undercover agent, or into such a small and ideologically motivated group. Maybe they managed to turn one of the group members, and he's their informant. And if so, that's the bind that they're in. They know who committed this murder because they have an informant. But they can't prove it and bring it to court because doing so will expose the informant and they don't want to give him up. They don't want to give him up for many reasons. Mostly, probably, because they don't want to give up the valuable information that he continues giving them about possible future attacks that they want to avoid. And so now we have to turn our focus to the Shin Bet and give you background about this legendary Israeli internal security agency. It's sort of Israel's FBI. So they're the ones who are tasked with investigating and catching this small but violent and and dangerous group. We should also know that since the murder of Prime Minister Rabin by a Jew, there is, sadly, an official, quote-unquote, Jewish division in the Shin Bet, a division that is focused on making sure that there do not grow a radical group of violent terrorists within the Jewish community. I believe that until the murder in July of the Dawabsha family, the Shin Bet dealt with this group as they would any other group. If they couldn't bring them to justice, the, using the usual tactics, they wouldn't do it. Just let, They'd have to let it go and continue to investigate. But, when the murder of the Duapsha family happened, when they knew now that these kids, literally Jewish kids, teenagers who grew up in religious homes, who have long peyot and big kipot, and are probably very makbid on Atilas Yadayim, when they saw that they literally burned a family alive, the government instructed to Shin Bet that they, they got to now go to the next step. And what's the next step? And on, So on August the 2nd, right after the murder, the Israeli cabinet approved using a tactic which had not been used for a very long time against Jews. It had been used against Arab Palestinian, Palestinian Arabs, because we need to. But it had not been used against Jews. And it's called administrative detention. Which means they can detain somebody indefinitely, without charges, no lawyer. It's a very draconian thing, if you think about it. The Shin Bet walks into the house, takes your kid, says, we are putting him in an administrative detention, and that's it. You don't know anything, you don't hear anything, and the kid is isolated and separated from everybody that he knows 
He cannot be seen by anybody on the outside, including his attorney. That's pretty harsh. That can make somebody pretty crazy. But Israeli law allows it. And on August the 2nd, as the immediate result of the murder of this family, the burning of this family, the government authorized the Shin Bet to move, to, to, to pick up the pace and to use this administrative detention against Jews. And so, on that day, they picked up three of the people who they consider the leaders of this group. Mayor Edinger, who's 24 years old. That's the oldest. Mordechai Mayer, who's 18, and Eviatar Slonim. Mayor Edinger, by the way, is the grandson of Rabbi Mayer Kahana, Hashem Yikom Damo. I am convinced that his grandfather would not condone this. Now, they weren't accused of this firebombing. And it could very well be they had nothing to do with it. But, they have a long history of being in the forefront of this group and attacks, smaller attacks. And the Shin Bet was doing what they needed to do. And so, we are now reaching the end of the show and we're not going to get to um, this entire issue. We'll continue next week. But the situation that we found ourselves in was that the Shin Bet is holding people, more than just these three. They're holding these people in detention without charging them with a crime, without allowing them to have a lawyer. And they can do so for 21 days. Then they come to a judge and ask for an extension. And it's frightening. But at the same time, to me, what's more frightening is that this insane group of anarchists are going to destroy the Jewish state. Theoretically, if they would be allowed to continue to grow unchecked, they're an infection. Look, they're our kids. But they are an infection. I don't, I, I was going to use the word a cancer on our society. But I'm not. Because they are our children. But it is an infection in the body of Israel. And if they have done terrible things, and if they are undeterred, and continue to believe in this misguided, sick ideology that calls for the destruction of the secular state of Israel, replacing it with a monarchy, overthrowing the government, they have to be stopped. Because if this movement grows, then we will, unfortunately, relive the history of Bayi we will end up bringing the house down upon ourselves. This is not czarist Russia. We're not in the galut. We have no right in a state of Israel to take the law into our own hands, to make decisions that ultimately endanger everybody. But first and foremost, it endangers the Hityashvut in Yudan Shomron. And these kids are kids. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't realize how stupid they are and how dangerous they are. But they are. And they have to be stopped. And now the question becomes, where's the limit? Is there a limit? And when, after a time, the Shinbet allowed them to meet with their lawyers and allowed their parents to see them in a court setting, the word came out that they were being, they claimed that they were being tortured. And the huge outcry in Israel from their parents, 
from others in the community said no. That is going over the line. We'll stop at that point. This is the dilemma that we will continue with next week, and we'll have more information, obviously, next week. The Shin Bet believes that this group of anarchists, this Chavurat HaMered, these kids that have no God, except the God that they have made up in their mind, the Shin Bet believes that they're involved in terror activities that if left unchecked will be a tremendous threat internally to the state of Israel. And I believe also to the Yeshvut in general. Do you say, being that these kids have been trained not to talk, do you say, I don't care what method you use. we got to stop this. It's an infection. If we don't stop it, it's going to spread in our body. But if so, can we stand by and watch our children be tortured? And what does that mean? What are the methods that they're using? And the Shinbet claims that everything they're doing is according to the law. And they're probably, it's probably true, as we'll discuss next week. There are laws or guidelines that the courts impose on the Shin Bet. They can't do certain things. Or they can only do certain things under certain circumstances. Have those circumstances been met? Is the Shin Bet just unleashed and going wild in their efforts? To find somebody to convict? Or are they righteous? Righteous, truly righteous. And trying to stop something that ultimately can bring down, not bring down the state of Israel, but ultimately cause tremendous damage to everybody in the state of Israel by some young crazies who have decided to take the law into their own hands. Next week, Amir Tzashem, we will discuss the continuing of, the continuation of the story. The protest against the tortures. The Shin Bet saying they're going based on the law. The, the, this famous video that was released late last week of a wedding in which the heads of this uh, group, two heads of the group got married and in which the young kids were seen dancing with pictures of the infant that was burned to death and in their dancing with a picture stabbing the picture of this little baby. Dancing with machine guns raised over their heads at a wedding. The impact that that made on the Israeli public, on the leadership of the religious Zionist movement, whether that is nothing but a deflection that the Shin Bet leaked in order to move the focus away from the, what they're doing, their tactics? It's very difficult. These are difficult questions. But to me, at the end of the day, the answer is the same as what I said right after the case at the end of July and what I'll say now. The Shin Bet has a job. They have to stop it. They can't go overboard. They must be checked. And the courts do check them. And there is oversight. And yes, they do act and behave very badly, really dirty. But if they wouldn't, they wouldn't be the Shin Bet. And usually they do this against the Arabs who want to kill us. And so I don't care in that case either. And so here I care a little more because there are our children, but at the end of the day, they too endanger us. And so as unpopular as it may seem, I believe that we need to support what they do. It doesn't justify everything.
but on the whole, we need to support what they do. We'll get into it in greater detail next week. Hope that you will stay tuned. Share with everybody the um, the show, today's show. I think it is an important un- um, explanation and understanding and breakdown of what's going on in Israel. And it's important for us who care about Israel to know about it. We're going to close out with Yonatan uh, Rezel and Katonti. Very appropriate. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. I'll be filling in for Nachum over at JM in the AIM on Wednesday. Hope you tune in. Six to nine on JM in the AM, 91.9 FM, 90.9 F, 90.1 FM in the Catskills and 90.9 FM up in Muncie. Uh, and then next Monday, we'll be right back here following JM in the AM, continuing this story. Until then, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
ומכל האמת. 